Hey, Jeff. Yes, Linda. We're going to go live soon. Can I get a sound check, please? Sure. Testing, 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 one, two, three. How's that? You're good, thanks. Can we get a sound check on your imaginary guest? <laughs> He's not imaginary. At least I, uh, well, let me check. <laughs> Hello, are you there? Are you ready? He'll be here. He'll... Oh, Jeff, seriously? Don't do this to you me. better be here. Oh, that way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just cue the music. It's all right, and uh, I'll figure it out. All right, then. Good luck. We're ready to roll. Stand by, everyone. Or at least you, Jeff. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. All right. <laughs> Cueing music. Get serious. Cueing music in three, two, and one. Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio, conversations that awaken, inspire, and activate, with tonight's host, Jeff Hendler. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Hendler. Today's program is not your regular broadcast. I'm expecting a really unusual guest who should be joining us any second now. We're calling him the Keeper of Soul's Purpose, and you'll learn why in just a moment. He says he's got an important message for humanity. Well, actually, you know, who am I kidding? I don't even know if this is real. Seriously, I don't. I mean, he was uh, like a voice in my head. Keeper, is that you? Are you there? At least as much as this early voice permits me to be. Can you hear me clearly? Yeah, I, I can now. Yes, that's great. Oh, good. Well, I'm here and I'm ready to speak with humanity. Okay, good. Well, and remember, it's, it's a radio program, so it's not all of humanity, but we have, um, well, let me ask my producer. Uh, how many do you count in the studio and, and the chat, Linda? We've got over 900 listeners between the studio and chat, Jeff, and the, the number's still going up. Oh, good. Yes, so we've got a lot of people tuned in right now, and uh, they're curious to know what this is all about and to hear what you have to say. I know I am. Hmm. You still don't believe that I am who I say I am? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We're here. Hmm. All right. Well, look, <laughs> can you blame me? I mean, a voice, yours, comes out of nowhere, says it has a message for humanity, and wants to come on this radio program to share it. It does sound a little crazy, doesn't it? And then when you were late just now... Late? Oh, you thought I wasn't going to be here, and that meant I wasn't real. Well, again, can you blame me? No, I suppose not. Well, we've both shown up. So, shall we have a go at it and see what happens? Should I continue to wait for you to ask me a question? No, no, let's begin. And I've got a lot of questions for you, actually. So, for starters, uh, would you tell my listeners who you are? Well, the name we agreed to use, you and I, is Keeper of Soul's Purpose. Yes, yes, uh, we did agree to use that name because um, there isn't another name to call you by, right? Well, none that would be relevant to this conversation. And what does it mean exactly? Keeper of Soul's Purpose. It explains my role in the universe. It's calling forth souls to their unique purpose before they begin their journey to the human realm. All right, and can you say more about that? Well, perhaps I should start by explaining to you and the audience that there's a human realm and a soul realm. And there are other realms too, which we'll talk about in due course. In the human realm, there are 360,000 births every day, give or take. Each one has a soul's purpose, just like you, Jeff. So I'm kept pretty busy. Uh, what do you mean, just like me? Well, every soul accepts a purpose before it travels to the human realm, and that purpose reveals itself through that human's life. It's like a fingerprint, I suppose you'd say. Did I get that right, a fingerprint? 
You did, yeah. Fingerprints are unique to every person. No two are alike. So, just like fingerprints, soul's purpose is unique and it connects to what you humans call a life purpose. So what's my purpose then, Keeper? I mean, did you give me one? Well, it's not as simple as that, Jeff. And perhaps I should qualify that there is a list, and for every soul that shows up to make the journey to the human realm, there's a purpose on the list. A soul actually chooses its purpose. I'm just the keeper of the list. Keeper of the list. Okay, but, but really, who are you exactly? I mean, you're, you're the keeper of soul's purpose, but uh, I don't know. Who are you? Uh, what are you? Well, to answer both of your questions, I'm part of the infinite. Like a form of energy? Um, and I mean by that, I mean, do you have a form? Energy. That's one way to describe it. And a form. I mean, by that question, is that why you chose radio? Because maybe you don't even have a form. Oh, I chose radio because it's a voice without distraction. Why did you choose it? Well, similar reasons, actually. And I'm Canadian, you know. Uh, what I mean by that is Canadians love their radio. The CBC, you know, it's huge in Canada. So, um, well, anyways, anything else we should know about you? Well, I will tell you more about the soul's realm and purpose and the list, but there are more important things to talk about right now. What I will say is that purpose is rarely an it. So when you ask, what is my purpose? Just know that it's more than an it. And can you say what that is? Uh, more than an it? Well, it's an essence you bring to everything. And it's not always something big or newsworthy either. It's often small and seeming insignificant in the bigger picture. And yet it's a contract with hundreds or even thousands of other souls to interact and teach and learn for the sake of the soul's growth. So everyone on earth has a purpose then, a soul's purpose. Well, there's no soul in your realm without purpose. And if I were to tell you yours, Jeff, it would spoil the journey. Yeah, I'm not one for plot spoilers. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, part of my journey, as you call it, is to find out what my purpose is and live it. Is that correct? That's a good way to put it. Good. And before we continue, what kind of context can you set for this conversation that you've requested? Uh, just to be clear, you did invite me to this conversation. I'm working kind of blind today, not a lot of notes. And um, is there anything you want to say just to prepare me and the listeners? Yes, the context for this conversation. What we'll talk about will be shared through three different lenses or perspectives. The first lens we'll talk about is the relationship between the soul's realm and the human realm, how a soul's purpose and a human's life purpose are connected and how each impacts the other. The second lens is the environment, specifically Earth's environment its beginnings, how it's been impacted by all living things and their actions, more especially the human actions, and then how both of these lenses influence the third lens, which is evolution itself. Great. Thank you for that. So to recap, we've got soul and human relationship, environment and evolution. Yes, that's it. Got it. Thanks. Having that structure is going to help and uh, it, it does make sense because they're all connected, aren't they? Oh, yes. And that is critical to the story that I want to tell you. Perfect. Thank you. Keeper, uh, would you tell my listeners why you're here, reaching out to humanity? Uh, I mean, more specifically, why now? Jeff, humanity is at a critical point in its evolution. And evolution happens all the time, by the way. What often feels like chaos or a series of disorienting events is simply that. You say that your lives are getting more and more uncertain or complex, and it's really only evolution. Can you relate to life feeling more and more complex or uncertain? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I'd say nearly every day we're having some kind of uncertainty, uncertainty or uh, disorienting event, especially lately. So, yes. Well, there you go. So we began the conversation and my message. 
You said this is only evolution as if it happens every day. It's a normal, normal thing. In evolution, it's not always about physical characteristics, like fish growing legs and walking out of a pond, so to speak. Although there are some species doing just that. No surprise, given all the variables you humans keep adding to the environment. But for you humans, it's more of an evolution of societal and cultural characteristics that I want to talk about. Great. Got it. Thank you. Um, what are some of those societal and cultural characteristics that you see changing for us? Well, the ones that we see expanding right now are things like separation and polarity and hate and violence, ugly characteristics on both sides that seem to rise above the good intentions of humankind. When you see an expansion of these characteristics, you need to know that you're being pushed to the limits of your stories and beliefs, which inevitably causes a tipping point in humanity as a whole. Yeah, we're certainly seeing more of that every day right now. Frankly, it's crazy and out of control. And if I wasn't on a radio program, I might not even be on social media anymore. It's, it's really out of control. Well, at least I guess it feels that way. Anyway, let me know if you're ready for me to continue. Yes, please go on. There are also the more provocative evolutionary characteristics like gender and sexuality and love, as you call them. You're already beyond the tipping point there. How do you figure? I, I mean, um, I think I agree with that. I'm just curious, what do you mean by that? Well, we're going to talk more about that in the future. So let's just say for now that the three lenses are fully engaged when it comes to how you humans identify with your genders and your sexuality and the way you express love. I can't give it all away in the first program now, can I, Jeff? <laughs> Keeper, you've definitely got the art of suspense going for you. Uh, okay, what other signs of evolution are happening in what we call the chaos? Oh, they're everywhere. They're in your politics and your social structures, especially. And only when you begin to question everything, the expectations that are unmet in your society, the broken promises, the disorienting events. Only as you awaken to these new levels of consciousness do you begin to make the transition. So when it feels like everything is about to fall apart, I mean, is that it? Exactly. Exactly. Well, then we've been evolving a lot lately. Well, actually, you have. That's only one way evolution happens, of course, and that's the one that feels most critical to the survival of everything and everyone on your planet right now. So are you here to help us? Well, I'm not here to solve it, if that's what you're asking. There's no solving when it comes to evolution. So, Keeper, what are you, what are you here for, then? Well, I suppose I'm here to offer what you call perspective. The three lenses are interwoven and at play in your world. I'm offering humanity a perspective and perhaps another story because this is such a critical time for all of us. Well, the human soul connection, I mean, the first lens. So how did we get here? I actually thought we were better than that as humans. I mean, what happened? Well, that's a big question. It's all about story. Every human believes his story. Story may be substituted for truth because it's one and the same, in case you're wondering. Hmm. You know, I'm thinking of the author, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. Do you know him? Well, I know of him and from a soul connection. Yes, I know him. Well, he writes about the dream world, that we see our lives in the world through our interpretation of it. And uh, I'm just wondering, is that what you mean by story? Oh, yes. That's why these events are so disorienting to your stories, specifically the stories about evolution and enlightenment. I don't know how much you or your listeners know about the multi-dimensions in the universe. I could set some context there as well, if you think it would help. Please, maybe you could take a moment or two to explain that. Um, keeping it as simple as possible, please. Huh. Well, I'll do my best with that. <laughs> right. To make it as simple as possible, humans are multidimensional beings. The first dimension is about water, minerals, and genetic codes, the atoms of life. The second dimension is the biological dimension and your connection to the natural world and to other species. 
The dimension where I want to place my attention is the third dimension, which is self-awareness and consciousness. This is your material world. This is where souls incarnate. Okay, so let me just break this down if I can. So uh, the dimensions are like building blocks for humanity, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it. Is that, is that correct? Yes. The third dimension keeps you earthbound. The story you tell here is that you're limited and flawed and only here for a short time, during which you experience the beauty of life and its struggle. It's a heavy story. It's a story of separation. A heavy story it is, Keeper. I agree. And uh, within this dimension, there's many stories that aren't all in agreement with each other. That's good, Jeff. That's exactly right, actually. Many truths about why things are the way they are exist simultaneously. They're competitive by nature and full of separateness and polarity about opinion and belief. It's also how you identify your uniqueness. All this is part of all that exists without explanation. And that's about as simple as I can make it, Jeff. What questions do you have? <laughs> I've got a lot of questions. And for starters, all that exists without explanation? Did I get that right, first of all? And then what is that? Hold that thought if you can, and we'll come back to it. What I meant was, what questions do you have about the dimensions? Okay, I hope we'll get back to that. All right. Um, I get what you're saying so far, and hopefully my listeners are, are catching on as well. Oh, some of your listeners are actually quite versed in the dimensions. I want to add that the third dimension doesn't contain the consciousness that connects humans to spirit, only human consciousness itself. But you said it's the place where souls incarnate or come to this world to experience life. Yes, that's true. And even without the consciousness that connects humans to spirit, human and soul relationships still exist. Your connections are all soul contracts supporting experience, learning, and challenge, and they're designed to help the soul and the human grow. Then everyone I know is part of my soul's contract, right? Yes, and part of soul's purpose, although not every soul plays a part in this human lifetime. If you ever walk down a street and caught the eye of someone, and for a moment there's a connection, even though you've never seen that person before and will never likely see them again, that's soul recognition. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of my days when I was single. Forgive me for a moment, but <laughs> yes, that, that's happened to me on more than one occasion. Yes. And to a lot of your listeners too. You recognize each other, even though you're not instrumental in each other's human lives this time around. So help me understand how knowing about the dimensions is important to your message. Well, the disorienting events on your planet are shaking up third dimension stories, shaking up those who are living fully in the third dimension, challenging them to question their stories which again are what you would also call beliefs and truths. It's like the emotional equivalent of an earthquake or a tsunami. Do you see that? I do, thanks. Uh, that's a powerful metaphor. And it's exactly what it feels like sometimes. Good. Now, are you ready to hear about the fourth dimension? Um, how many dimensions are there? Well, I think we'll just talk about third, fourth, and fifth for now, shall we? And this is important for the context of everything else we'll discuss. I promise you that. The fourth dimension is a bridge. And like any bridge, crossing it can be treacherous. Many humans live in the third dimension and the fourth dimension simultaneously, living in the five senses, what can be seen, touched, smelled, and tasted, and living in consciousness of things that aren't material, knowing that energy is fluid even now. And now. And now. See what I'm getting at? I do see. By the time you say now... Now is no longer. There is a new now. Again. And again. And again. We're always in choice about that, by the way, how we perceive time and the events of this world. Always in choice. And only when you begin to bridge the third and fourth dimensions. Okay, I'm getting it. Although it does get harder to grasp when you start to talk about the fourth dimension. What more can you tell us about it? 
The fourth dimension opens up two-way communication between the human realm and the other realms. There's a consciousness about spirit. It's where light and dark play out. Good versus evil, if you want to call it that. Messages come all the time, and now humans are more attuned to receiving those messages and they pay attention to them. It's a place of psychic energy. There, I've made it so simplistic. I hope it doesn't trivialize the importance of it. No, not simplistic at all, Keeper. Uh, nonetheless, I appreciate the simplicity of the explanation. So let's move on to the fifth dimension. What can you share with us about that? The fifth dimension is quite the upgrade to consciousness. It's about unconditional love and peace and compassion and spiritual wisdom. Miracles are part of the fifth dimension, and humans operate from love, not fear. There's an understanding of relationship that holds an enormous space for possibility. It's where your evolution of gender and sexual orientation and love has been taking you for some time now, preparing you, as you might say. It's not anything that's ever been attempted on such a grand scale before. This has never been attempted before? I mean, meaning what? That this is all an experiment? But it's always been an experiment, Jeff. This is why this time is so important. Why perhaps I have felt compelled to step in as a variable to share these messages with you. I assure you we'll have many more of these conversations. So let me progress to my point for all of this. Is that okay with you? Yes, in a moment. I mean, I'm just curious about the preparation of which you spoke. Again, you know, about sexuality and love. Well, all in good time, Jeff, I promise. All right, one more question around that. You called yourself a variable. I mean, what does that mean? Oh, that explanation will also be part of my message. Okay, good. Uh, this is a lot to take in, by the way, and I, I appreciate you sharing, and there's certainly a lot of complexity around it. I understand. So why don't you be the pulse of the listener, and if it gets too overwhelming for you, just let me know. I can do that, and thank you. So, recently, there have been some unprecedented disorienting events. May I tell you why they've happened? I'd expect nothing less at this point. It's because of a misunderstanding about what it means to be an enlightened human. So many humans believe themselves to be enlightened, and many of them are, but some believe that their enlightenment and consciousness have evolved beyond other humans on the planet. Now, in all that exists without explanation, that may be true, and yet when that becomes a human story, it's born out of human ego third dimension ego. To say that you're somehow better than or more evolved than others around you. Enlightenment doesn't make some humans better than those who are unenlightened. You're all third dimension beings until you're not. And you all live on the earthly plane, some more fully than others, until you don't. No one is wrong or less than another. We all have our roles to play and all roles are important. Is this too much, Jeff? I'm not sure I can say it in any other way. I can't say for sure, Keeper, um, but here's what I'm recognizing for myself is that I'm feeling actually a little unsettled as I hear it. Given everything that's going on right at this moment, I'm really understanding or beginning to understand what you say about some feeling more evolved and more conscious than others. So um, uh, please continue with it. And, and I'm just wondering if it's getting even more complicated than that. Oh, I'm afraid it gets far more complicated, but not for today. The point is simply that some humans use enlightenment to create more separation and polarity. And that's purely ego-driven and it's not enlightenment at all. Let me stop and ask if you see where this is headed. Ego-driven stories. <laughs> I get that. Not, nothing new, frankly. Uh, how we humans are always just seeming to make something better than or less than. I understand it and I think it's exhausting us too. And uh, I think my listeners catch on to that really as well. I guess what I'm seeing is the potential for some big disaster, because when we believe we're better than someone else, we're just creating more polarity. 
Yes, and while polarity exists in the fourth dimension of being, it does not exist in the fifth dimension. Self-proclaimed enlightenment isn't enlightenment at all. Well, I'm going to call it enlightenment snobs. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. There goes my objectivity as an interviewer, but I, I'm putting it out there. Enlightenment snobs, how's that? And uh, for me, it would explain some of the recent events on the planet, the, the disorientation for all of us. Exactly. Although let's not make them wrong by calling them snobs. And yes, that's it in a nutshell. A separation. So confident being enlightened that they miss all of the signs of an oncoming event. Like crossing a street because you see a vision on the other side, but you forget to look both ways and you get hit by a bus. You know what that's about. Yes. <laughs> so now, unless those who call themselves enlightened can see those events from humility, can see their own hand in the creation of those events, they'll continue to waste their time in a battle of good versus evil. Because despite everything, they're still holding on to their third dimension stories. Okay, now we're talking. So tell me, what is enlightenment? And how do you know you're really evolving? When you're enlightened, you simply are. It comes from such a place that requires no explanation, actually. It's a bit like living outside the rest of humanity, but not in a superior way. It's more in an isolating way, actually. You know, what's coming up for me while I'm using this third dimension voice is that there's some sadness in the transition between third and fourth dimensions. There's a loneliness. I don't like this feeling at all, actually. I understand. And I think our listeners are likely understanding this too. And what's coming up for me is that when we see the world as good versus evil, or one side is better than another, both sides do have the potential to end up being evil. And the potential of doing harm. You seem to understand the danger, Jeff. So here's my point. Human beings are only now entering the fourth dimension on any grand scale, which is the purifier and filter for the dimensions that follow. It is a bridge, as I've said. In fact, there are still some humans who, even as I say this, are telling themselves, I'm not actually speaking about them. I'm just speaking about others. They're still seeing the world from their egos. To say you've entered the fourth or fifth dimension, it's actually ego speaking. You either have or you haven't. Oh, I'm reminded of a song from many years ago about being so vain that the listener thinks the song is about him. I'll, I'll spare you. My should only be in the shower voice, but uh, I think you guys know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in this case, the listener doesn't think this conversation is about him or her. For those humans, it will take many more disorienting events for them to realize that they are leading from ego. Again, I don't want to make them wrong. They are exactly where they're supposed to be on their soul's journey. You all are. It's what you're here to remember, that you are spiritual beings in a human experience, and you're all messengers for each other. It's just important to awaken this consciousness right now. Okay. Uh, this is great so far. Thank you. And I want to stop and just catch my breath here. Reality is some of this information is really unsettling. You know, when I apply this theory to what's been going on in the world, I am getting an emotional and visceral reaction to people I've known in my life. And I am getting a lot of judgment coming up. I've, I've got to admit it. We're living in these times right now, and there's a lot going on around this. Um, well, I've hardly begun. Uh, and it's not a theory, although I do understand why you call it that. Well, and as a human, I have to tell you that we do need to slow this down a bit. Telling us that we're living in our egos is not going to sit well with most people. Except for those who are willing to try it on and see what that perspective shifts for them. And that's all I'm here to do. I'm not here to solve anything for humans or warn you of danger. Well, I might do that from time to time. But I don't insist you do anything as a result of what I've said. I have stories to tell that may or may not be yours to hear. And that's by design, of course. Okay. Thanks for clarifying on that. 
And good time to just take a quick break and let everybody know that you're listening to Voice of Evolution Radio. You're with me, Jeff Hendler, and my special guest today, the Keeper of Soul's Purpose. So, Keeper, we are at a critical point in human history. Well, in Earth's history, all living things, of course. Earth's history, when things begin to feel like they're falling apart, and that's evolution. And you get to choose whether you hold on to the old stories or write new ones together. In fact, here's a thought. What if you were all here to challenge the ego of the ones you're calling evil, or here to shed your own egos for the sake of something greater than yourselves? What if this is the greatest of soul's purpose, to be the activator and to reach a new level of ascension, and you're all part of the plan? Who are we talking about here, Keeper? Anyone in particular? Because I'll tell you what, I've got some people in mind, and I'm pretty sure at this point in history, some of our listeners do too. Well, anyone who fits your description of being lesser than, or even holding others as lesser than, evil even, someone operating from ego who has the power to disrupt your stories in the world, anyone at all. And yes, there are some major forces in the world right now that fit the description. I'm quite excited at the possibility of this one, Jeff. And certainly a perspective to consider. It would change everything. It would indeed. So is all this planned? I mean, you did use that word, right? all part of some big design by some invisible hand or being. What exactly are you asking me now, Jeff? Are you asking me about God? Because that's a pretty big topic. You're going to have to narrow it down a bit for me. Fair enough. So, so let's start here. I mean, is this all planned? And by all this, you mean? The chaos, who we are, the people we meet. Is there a destiny that we're each playing out? Well, let me start with the easiest answer. There is a plan in all that exists of that explanation, and there are variables. Think about peeling away the layers of something, except in this case, there is no center. You never reach that last layer. Math and sciences weren't my best subjects, but I'm thinking you're talking about infinity. Well, the infinite, yes. Got it. And that thing you've said, and you've said it a few times now, what does it mean? All that exists without explanation. Oh, it means that there are mysteries at every layer even in the soul's realm and beyond. So uh, not every question is going to get answered. <laughs> well, not every question has an answer, my friend. I was hoping, Keeper, you'd give away some secrets today. Well, haven't you been listening? This, your realm, the state of your realm, it's all your own doing, a choice you've all made to believe your stories, and in some cases to let your egos write your stories. That's been a pretty big secret until these disorienting events began happening with regularity. I'm sorry. I believe I may have made you feel wrong. Not my intention at all, Jeff. See, even me taking on this human voice as a persona to reach you does have some third dimension consequences. So, Jeff, this is an age in which everything humanity has ever done is rising to the surface, like the decayed matter and mud at the bottom of a pond. It has to cleanse itself in order to sustain a healthy ecosystem. When other beings are wounded, did you know that sometimes they seek that mud in order to heal? That's part of the chaos you feel. And this is by design. Well, let me ask you a question. When do you suppose life began? You're referring to human life? Oh, no, no, any life. No idea, frankly. I mean, does anyone really know? Well, exactly. Do you know when life ends? Afraid not, no. So when you ask me about God and what's planned, or when we talk about the events in your realm, understand that that's what you're asking me to describe, the infinite. We're all part of the infinite, never ending, never beginning, at least not as we, and when I say we, I mean all of us are capable of knowing, it's full of mysteries. And there you have your answer. 
which doesn't really answer the question about all this being by design. But even before we go to that, how do you account for or explain religion, which is based on a conscious creation? Well, we'll talk about religion's place in the scheme of things in due course. But for now, I just want to clarify that what was conscious and what was a variable is difficult to pinpoint. It's probably even unnecessary in this conversation. It just is. You're here. The origin of life is something you humans have always speculated about. And that's one of the purposes of the human realm, actually, to speculate. And I can talk about it another time if you really want. But for now, I'd like to get back to my message. Yes, please do. And, and I'm just I'm noting the things that we might get to as, as we move on. Oh, one more thought before I do move on. You see, the point to keep in mind in these discussions is there will always be variables. And these variables create the discovery process that makes a planet like Earth such a rich space for the soul's realm. I promised you an explanation about variables. So here it is. This is the human soul connection, the first lens I spoke about. Earth creates an opportunity for experience and learning beyond that which we could achieve without you. And when I say you, I mean us, you realize, since we're really one and the same. So when you say you or we... Well, we're interchangeable, unless I, meaning me in this case, identify an exception. Now, may I continue? <laughs> Please. So here's what I want to say about evolution, that third lens. At different stages in Earth's and humanity's evolution, the types of souls on Earth have shifted. And that shift has impacted your environment, the second lens. Using your time speculations for the past hundred years or so, the Earth has been home to more of the young souls. They're the souls interested largely in self-accomplishment and competition and separation. And that was quite a change from previous millennia. The ratio back then leaned decidedly to newborn souls, which only focused on survival. Still separate, you see, always separate. And well, that ratio is beginning to shift again. How is it shifting now? It's shifting now towards the mature and old souls. Humanity is becoming more and more interesting to them. Consider all your public figures and authors and artists and thought leaders in your world. They're everywhere because old souls must express themselves creatively, philosophically, and energetically. They just can't help it. And then there are the new children's souls, a fascinating addition to the soul's realm, by the way. You call them indigo and crystal children. They come as humans with a higher vibrational frequency. They're very clear about their purpose. I'm curious why that's happening, Keeper. And uh, if that's true, shouldn't humanity be doing a better job of this? I mean, why aren't we wiser, more compassionate? Oh, clever question. That's good. The irony of the question is that these souls who are in the human realm right now are in the conflict between greater caring and compassion and the old stories and the outdated systems. They're all colliding with each other or maybe colluding is a better word. They're co-creating the chaos. There's a lot of tension on Earth right now, isn't there? There is. So if I'm getting this straight, I mean, there, there's more of these souls on Earth. And even though there are more of these souls on Earth, they're feeling what we're feeling, right? I mean, uh, they're feeling this conflict between how things are and how we'd like them to be. Well, these souls are in the human experience, different levels of dimension, and yet still human, still caught in the story. They're in the age of consequence and how they will carry humanity forward if they will carry it forward, is yet to be written. And there are also plenty of souls who are keeping this tension or chaos alive. These souls are focused on belonging to a culture. They're focused on law and order and punishment and rules and so on. Okay, Keeper, I'm trying to keep track of all the souls here. Well, think about souls as you would think about the ages of your human life. Would that make it easier? Yes, I think so. I'm, I'm gonna trust the listeners to fact check anything that needs more of an explanation. So can you say more about what's it going to take for us to carry humanity forward? Mm, that's the question that hangs in the balance. 
See, we won't know the outcome of all of this for another of your millennia, but you are in the thick of it right now. And that's a point of choice about your stories, of course. Which makes your presence here even more important. And it sounds exactly like what we're experiencing. So this is called the human soul connection, the lens of which we spoke. Yes, it's the first lens. And of course, there's more. I'm trying to heed your warning about too much information, back to your point earlier. Too much information that might overload a human's processing of these stories. Thank you. And, and I understand. Believe me, I, uh, I understand. I'm feeling a little bit overloaded myself right now. And yet the question is, and it is a big question, how do we fix all of this? Oh, you don't. At least not in the way you mean it. If humans live forever, you might get to a place where you've solved all of the world's problems. Well, you don't live forever, at least not as humans. So that's it. Just we get one shot and it's over. Oh, no. Souls are always in choice, remember, and they may return to the human realm again and again. In fact, it takes hundreds of human lifetimes to get to certain stages of ascension for a soul. But that's not really what I meant. What I meant was if you humans live forever, whatever that means to you, and I don't really know what it means, actually. Well, to me, it means no death, no wars, no disease. It means a perfect world. Ah, a perfect world. So what would you do in that utopia? Can you answer that? <laughs> I don't know, Kiefer. It's a great question. Well, unless you can imagine it, it won't exist. I keep digressing here, and there's something important about sharing the distinction between perfection and imperfection with you. In reality, neither imperfection nor perfection exists in the universe. Does that surprise you? It does, actually. Ah, well, what you call perfection is simply a point in time and space when nothing better can be imagined. Your language created a word for it because humans have this insatiable imagination. When humans call something imperfect, it's because you can imagine and long for something other than what you have. And in reality, both of these are necessary. But we can long for something other than what we have right now. For example, we long for peace, clean water, safety, enough food to feed everyone on the planet. But you have all the mechanisms to create all of those right now. Your stories keep you from doing it. You also have to think of them as possible and not just simply imagine them. You have to write them. Yeah, it's not just longing or imagining. Look, knowing that everything is necessary that everything's an opportunity to create from what you call imperfection, knowing that it marks a longing in humanity for something other than the current story, that would certainly change the level of struggle on your planet. And yet, you're so far from that utopia, that perfect world, we'll call it, for the sake of your human understanding. It will take time before you understand how to be human in such an environment that you've described. And that's evolution, my friend. <laughs> okay, that's a lot to take in, Keeper. Uh, tell us, where does that longing come from? Well, I thought you understood that this entire experience, humanity and Earth, itself was a longing in the infinite for more than what existed before. So when you say a longing in the infinite, are you referring to the, the soul's realm? Oh, no, no, in the infinite that is. There's a system in place bigger than that which we know, and it continues beyond that which we know. There was a wanting in the space, and Earth and other planets were the way that longing was satisfied. Uh, what was that longing? Well, perhaps it was a longing to ascend to new levels of consciousness, or perhaps it was a longing for more and nothing more than that. I don't actually have the answer, but it does take me back to why I'm speaking to you now and why there's such an interest in humanity. So taking us all back to why you're speaking today, is there a final message for today? Yes. 
Human lives matter so deeply right now. The lives on the planet and those to come in the next millennia are the most meaningful lives anyone has or will ever live so far. And not to dismiss the lives of the past and their accomplishments, evolution. But you see, at some point, the environment will take over even the human soul connection. Earth is a living, breathing entity, and she's in pain right now. Mm. I'm feeling that pain, frankly. And yet, we have a lot of naysayers lately, especially those who continue to deny, for example, that you know, climate change isn't even real. Yes, well, let me put a stake in the ground about that. Humanity has taken far more from Earth than it can ever pay back. You, we are all in debt, spiritually, economically, and environmentally. No judgment intended, by the way, because it's not my role to judge. Although this human voice does create some interesting tension around that. What you see reflected back to you, economically and environmentally, is the separateness, the competitiveness. In your many ages, you took yourselves from pastoral and tribal cultures into the Industrial Revolution, and it felt like an evolution to a more successful life. And yet it also created tenements and plagues and sweatshops. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Keeper, I'm almost feeling the need to defend humanity. I mean, those things were unintended impact. Certainly not part of our plan when we tried to make our lives better. Ah, so think about what you just said. Isn't it happening again? Because that transition to the industrial age also made you more separate. Separate from each other and from the natural world, I mean. What is happening now in the name of progress? It's not the first time humans put the entire experience at risk. At risk? How's that? Well, you threaten your own existence. I mean, if humanity ceases to exist, that's one thing. But if this human realm ceases to exist... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. <laughs> How could humanity be one of the life forms that face extinction? I mean, you just finished saying that we're, we're so important to the soul's realm, your realm. So your realm, or um, all that exists without explanation, is actually going to let that happen? You do remember how we started this conversation, Jeff, talking about the human ego? Anything is possible when variables are at play, and you're creating more variables than the delicate balance of the lenses may be able to tolerate. If that were to happen, well, we'd sing songs about it and remember it, and it would become part of the energy of all that exists with that explanation, and we'll create another way to evolve or ascend. Make no mistake about it. No one's attached to the outcome. Keeper. Got to say, you've brought my energy down a little bit, Keeper. I know it's not your intention. Um, can you give me something here? Uh, give us something to hold on to. Well, perhaps saying that no one is attached to the outcome might have been a bit extreme. That third dimension again. So here's what's coming to me about attachment. Many souls are invested in. Use the word attached, if you like. Attached to earth and humanity. Not unlike an artist who creates a beautiful work of art and then chooses not to part with it. It could make a difference, success, fame, if the artist sold it, and yet they don't. It is an irrational perspective, and yet it exists. So perhaps humanity can find some hope in that. And we'll talk more about the soul's realm and the soul's waiting room next time, if there's time. The soul's waiting room. I like it. What is that? Next time, if there's time. You know, Keeper, when you say, if there's time, I do get a little nervous. Oh, oh I'm not suggesting anything apocalyptic. There's just a lot that we need to talk about. That's all. Okay, much better. And thank you. So to wrap this up, maybe you are rooting for us uh, just a little bit? I have to consider that question carefully before I answer it. Hmm. So here's what I can say right now. Earth and humanity have somehow become a tangible expression of who we are here in the soul realm. It's an outward expression of all that exists without explanation. 
and he's also become our best teacher. Oh, Keeper, you keep telling me you're going to come back to this. So please, what, what can you say more about all that exists without explanation? You know this in your heart of hearts already, and I'll give away no secrets by telling you this. It's about the hope you asked for just now and the creativity, the imagination, the resilience and the strength. It's the tangible and the intangible as you stare up at the night sky or you listen to the sound of the ocean as you watch a snail make its way across a leaf or a moth drawn to a light. That's all that exists without explanation. We're all a part of it. And I'm aware of something else too, Jeff. As these disorienting events shatter old beliefs, I realize it's customary for humans to do something called mourn, grieving for what's lost to them. Is that correct? It is, yes. Uh, we mourn and grieve the people and things we've lost, even some of the small things. And your ideas and beliefs? Yeah, those too, I guess, yeah. You're all being asked to look at yourselves and your purposes and to make choices. This is a time of loss and it's also a time of great awakening. When you hold up the mirror, you won't see yourselves anymore. You'll see those who you believe least resemble you. And that's another disorienting event. What matters is how you see them as enemies or as yourselves. No difference or distinction. That is a tall order. Uh, there is a lot of anger in the world right now. And you're always in choice. Even if there's a plan in the infinite, remember there are always variables. I get it. I just, I mean, how do we do this? Frankly, we're as separate as we've ever been right now. And you said several times that we have to rewrite our stories. Yes, and how you do that is not for me to say, although I'm curious to see how it unfolds. And I know we have more to say to each other, and I'm suddenly becoming aware of something in the space. I'll use your word exhaustion. Is that an appropriate use of that word? Yes, uh, yes it is. I'm feeling it too, and, and maybe because I'm not really sure what to do with all this information here. I also want to give our listeners something to hold on to as well. So um, yes, exhaustion is a good word. Thanks, thanks for bringing that up. You'll do what you're meant to do, living on purpose, your work in the world. And those who are meant to hear it will, and they'll do their work in the world as well. That's how it works. And what about you, Keeper? I mean, is this your work in the world to, to share what you know? Well, perhaps I'm one of those variables. Let's just leave it at that for now, shall we? Okay, and one last question. While you've been here with me, I mean, what's happening to the souls who are coming here and, and their purpose? Has the process been on hold this entire time? Oh, no. My attention's always in more than one place at any given time, just as any soul in the soul's realm. Today, I took some of that attention and gave it to you and to this broadcast. And we'll do it again. I've created quite a lengthy list of things that we want to talk about. Can you share what's on that? Oh, that feels a bit like emptying an ocean. Uh, there's religion, messengers and messiahs, the LGBT community, as you call it, fear, habitable planets, hell, punishment. And then there's human potential, the environment and climate, the divine feminine, birth, death, and dying, <laughs> that thing you call money, and other established institutions like that. Oh, and giant mushrooms and mass extinction. Did you know that at one time before your trees came along, mushrooms were the primary forestation, giant mushrooms? Did you know that? Giant mushrooms. <laughs> that one I didn't. Well, we'll talk about them too. Great. Thank you for being my guest keeper. I'm looking forward to hearing more about giant mushrooms and also to the next time, whenever that is, uh, will you let me know? Oh, yes, I will. And was this okay? Did this format work for you? Oh, yes, and it will get easier from here on. This is a learning for me and a negotiation on both our parts, but I know I made the right choice. In what? In, in choosing to speak, you mean? 
Well, in choosing you and all of it. I don't even know how to respond to that. I'll just say thank you. So, how's your belief in what's happening here now? <laughs> uh, let's just say I'm skeptically optimistic. <laughs> how very human of you, Jeff. <laughs> I want to thank my listeners. This is Voice of Evolution Radio, and I've been in conversation with the Keeper of Soul's Purpose. He and I will continue to explore this message to humanity through the three lenses that he talked about, the relationship between the soul and humans, the environment, and evolution itself, and more to come. There are more questions than answers in this moment. So if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask the keeper or to continue the conversation, please reach out to me at jeff at voiceofevolutionradio.com. I'd love to know what you're all thinking. And until next time. <laughs> Holy mackerel, Linda. I mean, what just happened? Did you get that? You're still on the air, Jeff. And we got it. 